Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once all entrusted to God's holy people. Welcome to another episode of Standing Firm, Defenders of Faith. I am one of the hosts, Candace Paul, and I am here with my other co-hosts, David Chandler, Darian Eaton, and G.T. Hawkins. And this is our final show of the season, and it's called Last Tanned. So essentially what we'll be talking about is recapping everything from this season, all of the episodes. And anyone who didn't get a chance to speak on a certain topic, they will get their opportunity to make their remarks and comments in this show. And then we're just going to talk about other things that come to us at the time. So I think this will be a fun show and we can just go ahead and get started. So the first show that we had this season was called What's Your Testimony? And I know that we all kind of shared a bit about our personal experiences on how we came to the faith. So do we have anything to add to that? This is uh, <laughs> this is GT. Um, I didn't really have anything to add to that, but, um, but I guess essentially I will be adding to it. Um, but in any case, yeah, um, my testimony pretty much just really focused, uh, centered around, you know what I'm saying, my experience is, uh, growing up. And, you know, y'all know I touched on uh, prophecy. And for me, getting involved in, in prophecy so, uh, at such an early age, I feel like it is, uh, it is really taking me to places um, of understanding that I can't even really explain. And uh, a, a lot of people that I've talked to and uh, deal with has all have always said the uh, same thing. And I always give glory to God for that. Um, but I say that to say this, looking at the events that are taking place today, I mean, it's crazy because uh, looking at the, uh, the rise in Christian persecution around the world, Although that's always been, but it's is one place that we haven't seen it as much as uh, as much as we have around the world is here in America. And you know, for anybody who doesn't know, I have a, a Facebook page called Prophecy Watch, and I have an article on that on that uh, Facebook page that deals with uh, Christian persecution in uh, in America. And one of the one of the subject matters that I brought up was persecution by policy. Christians are always, always under the banner, uh, not under the banner, but are always under the gun to do things that we don't want to do 
because of government policy. And so, you know, it takes money to fight against these type of things. Somebody sue you, you got you to gotta get a lawyer, pay lawyer fees. Uh, and then on top of that, you get bad reviews online about your business and so on and so on. So, you know, just looking at from just looking at the things that I studied as a child, and I mean literally as a child, up to up to a teenager, and now even as an adult, uh, is is very interesting to see a lot of those prophecies regarding end times uh, come into fruition. Darian, do you have anything to add to that? Uh, <clears throat> just specifically. In regards to the original show and my testimony, the only thing that I would like to insert is the main thing is to stay focused on the main thing. What does that mean? That means in terms of Christianity and the centrality of your faith, Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. Whoever believes in Jesus shall not perish but have everlasting life. And so within my life, it's important for me to know, A, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins and then rose again on the third day. And besides that, being as though that I am now a part of the body of Christ and I am a, a child of the Most High, I know that there's a certain lifestyle that I need to live. I'm not telling anybody to be perfect. I'm just saying that when it comes to my relationship with God, it's my relationship with God, not how, how my pastor dictates it should be, not how my wife dictates it should be. It's my personal relationship and walk with my Lord. And so what that looks like for me is me being me, but knowing exactly what I just said as the main thing is that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. I'm not saying that you have to wear a suit and tie. I'm not saying that you need to burn incense and oil. I'm not saying that you have to have specific dietary setups. I'm not telling you to go to church on Sundays. I'm telling you the main thing is to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Mm. If you have Jesus, the Holy Spirit will continue to lead and guide you in all truth. And when in doubt, you have questions. Seek first the wisdom of the scriptures and ask the Lord to reveal it to you. Because if God isn't real, he won't show you anything. In fact, he won't even respond. So, and it's the beautiful thing about it is when we talk about unbelief, you, you can never lose. If you have faith and everything else is wrong or Christianity is fake, okay, well, try it out. Try it out. I'm not going to do a whole apologetical message. I'm just going to say, try it and see what happens. Be the litmus test. Don't say, well, my cousin, try it out. If God is real or is not real, you'll know at the end of your stint of practicing. It's like a science experiment. You try it out, taste and see whether or not the Lord is good. I know one thing for certain and two things for sure. The, the word of God will never come back void, and the God is, and God is not a liar. And so, I submit to you that regardless of whatever doctrine, whatever brand, 
whatever your neighbor, your mom and dad, whatever your relationship was before my attempt to give you an explanation, simply put, relationship with Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, the visible image of an invisible God by way of God the Father and giving you the understanding and, and being sealed by his spirit, that is the way to go. The main thing is to stay focused on the main thing. Okay. And the Lord, you will watch the Lord slowly unravel you like an onion, paling you slowly to get to your core. When you deal with God and you drop the ball, you drop the ball. Go to the Lord for forgiveness and repentance, meaning turning away from those things that you feel convicted about. And then you ask the Lord to continue to keep you in his arms and help you to do what it is that you need to do on a daily basis. Whatever those things are, it could be anything. It don't mean you got to be a drug addict trying to get off of a drug, or it don't mean you have to have, because not everybody has gone through something that they deem necessary for help. Some people just genuinely are okay where they are or content. So you just need to connect to the one true living God as your power source. Or if you do have issues, you know who to go to. Whether you're happy or sad or indifferent, God is still God and is available for each and every one of us. And that's all I have. That is awesome. David, any words? Uh, Well, concerning my testimony, um, I I mentioned something about false teaching, uh, well, the apologetical aspect of, of what we know as Christianity, I, I uh, became uh, entrenched in a cult, and I was a member of a few aberrant uh, churches, or a few churches that taught aberrant doctrine, and that kind of gave, gave me an incentive to uh, not only get become a Christian, but to understand these things to because I didn't want to be deceived again and there is an issue now especially now within the past 40 or 50 years we we have a an an influx of uh false doctrine and in Jesus Christ even warned us that in the last days there's going to be great spiritual deception mm. and we we read this in uh Second uh, Timothy four verses one through four, and, and Timothy instructs. Oh, I'm sorry. Paul instructs Timothy to teach, preach the word, and and that there, if you look at the statement, preach the word, it's 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 an infinitive statement, which means it's a command with the the uh, with the um, word you you know you preach the word and you be instant in season out of season rebuke rebuke reprove and expose with all long suffering and doctrine and look at verse four well, the, the, because the time will come when they will not endure or put up with sound doctrine but will gather unto themselves or heap unto themselves teachers having itching ears and this is why you have so many uh people like reverend ike i i um well, he's dead, but uh, Reverend Ike was an individual that I uh, posted onto your 
uh, well, it wasn't on your timeline, but it was in your private message, Candice. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know if you had a chance to look at the video, but I did twice. And it was just riddled with nothing but new age doctrine, new age theology, intermingled with word of faith theology. He mentioned something about us not finding a God in the sky or not having faith in a God in the sky, but having faith in the God in you. Mm. So I said, well, wait a minute. All of these, he's blatant. That's the same lie that the devil told Eve. Well, ye shall not be, ye shall not surely die, but ye shall be as gods, knowing good from evil. So, again, this is in Christianity now. This is not just out there somewhere. This is in Christianity. We don't have to necessarily worry about the Mormons teaching that we're gods. We don't have to worry about even the New Age movement talking about we're gods. We all know that. We all know that they're out to lunch. But when you go to the average Christian church and you sit down and you listen to the average Christian pastor, you're hearing the same thing that people like Joseph Smith or people like Charles Taze Russell have been saying for for centuries and centuries. So uh, that's concerning unto me Mm. that we are in in an age where people don't regard biblical truth as anything other than an opinion. Well, that's just your opinion. You keep your opinions to yourself. I've got my opinion and that's it. Well, no, it's not an opinion. It's fact. Jesus Christ died for your sins. And he rose again, just like Darian said, and he uh, not only did he rise again, but he sits on the right hand of God the Father with all power in his hand. So he's willing and able to save you from your sin. All you have to do is believe in the shed blood, his shed blood. And that is a beautiful transition point to the next episode that we had, which was an overview of the Bible. So I'll just go back to David so he can just finish his point. But in this topic, what would you say is a main point? And I'm just going to go through all of you really quickly that a person should take away from the Bible. So we'll start with David. One point, one main point. Well, it's the gospel, you know, it's, it's, uh, the, who, uh, it's about Jesus Christ. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4 says that, uh, Paul says that Jesus Christ died on the cross according to, our, to the scriptures. And he rose and he was buried according to the scriptures. And he rose according to the scriptures. And that is the crux of our belief system, Christianity. Okay. That Jesus Christ the person in the work of Jesus Christ, God in the person of Jesus Christ died for our sins. Okay. And Darian, what would you say is one takeaway? I know it's hard to just narrow it down to just one, but if you could say one overarching thing about the Bible, what would it be? Simply put that God is real. Mm. Awesome. GT, what about you? Well, one thing that I would take uh, I have and just encourage any anyone and everybody to take when it comes to the Bible is it's well, I, I've always put it like this. The Old Testament points to Jesus Christ. 
The New Testament points back to Jesus Christ. Thus, Jesus Christ is the central figure of the entire Bible. And the uh, first prophecy in the Bible, Genesis 3.15, uh, mentions that the woman shall have a seed and the seed uh, and the serpent shall bruise his heel, but he should crush his head. And that first prophecy deals with the overall victory of Jesus Christ, although he may be wounded. So that is what I would say the uh, the main point I would encourage people to take from the Bible is that it's, it's, it's centralized on Jesus Christ. Mm, that's good. Okay. So in the third episode, um, Darian and in GT didn't have an opportunity to be on this episode with us, David and I, when we spoke on it, but we talked about the charismatic movement of the church. And that's the whole idea that, you know, speak things into existence. Um, how David described it is a God is the wow of now. And it's just a lot of, uh, feel good messaging but not a, a lot of backed up messaging with the bible what are your thoughts on the charismatic movement and i'll let you two read though darian you could go first okay Candace. so for me the charismatic movement to me appears from and from my experience to be sensationalist they don't really have a concise understanding of the fundamental doctrines, i.e. Um, the usages and what exactly the Holy Spirit is, uh, usages of tongues, what tongues actually is. I think that, as my mother would say, is reading is fundamental. But what I've realized that a lot of people fundamentally do not understand what context is. And because they don't understand context, they like to go off of how, how they feel rather than what the word of God says. And so that's important to understand when you start to talk about this charismatic movement. The charismatic movement does have some good features, but I'll leave that to GT. Okay. I'll say this much. I'll say this much. I think that people are sincere, but you can be sincerely wrong. And I believe that some of them generally, uh, because they are sensationalist, meaning that they operate in their feelings and emotions, that they generally believe that those are the things of God. And so because you go off of your feelings, you are subject to erroneous behavior because you go off of your feelings. Well, I felt that way, so it must be God. Mm. Nah, 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 that might not be so. But these are the things that happen. And so I'll leave it at that. GT, what do you have to add? Like I told y'all before, you know what I'm saying? I, I'm i not really familiar with a lot of the uh, institutional church uh, denominations and things of that nature. But from what I've seen of the charismatic movement is uh, sort of kind of what Darian was pointing to sensationalism but uh what i what i call it is hyper emotionalism you know it's hyper emotional uh some of the things that i've seen with the speaking in tongues uh 
I I learned right away that you know what they call speaking in tongues is not really speaking in tongues, but it's actual babble. Um, also, there's a key, there's a word in there that there's a buzzword in there that kind of throws a red flag to me in this uh, uh, charismatic. But the root word being there is uh, correct me if I'm wrong, David. Uh, charisma or uh, charismatic or ca- charisma. Uh-huh. And, yeah, yeah charisma. That word, yeah, that word right there. I don't know why, but every time I hear that word, it, it reminds me of witchcraft. Mm. Some, some, for some reason. Well it, well, it means gift. Um, if you look at it in the Greek, it, it just means gift. Uh, but uh, again, the, the charismatic movement is just kind of like a, a representation of well, of the, the Book of Corinthians. If you look at the uh, the Church of Corinth, the word charis is just simply means gift. So that's where the word charismatic or charisma comes from. And so when you look at the the Church of Corinth, which is a prime example of the the charismatic movement as a whole. You look at the – Paul had an issue with these guys because they were misusing the gifts, the gifts of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. So they were putting the gifts above love, above everything else, like, for instance, the gospel and uh, teaching of the Word of God. They were placing the gifts over everything else, all of those things. And as a, as a result, they were – it was just – they were involved in all kinds of gross sin. You know, the, the, Paul had to put out one guy for sleeping with his, I think his, his uh, one of his in-laws or something like that. Hmm. Um, Paul had to admonish these people because they were just wrong. And we have that. That's a clear indication of what we see in the charismatic movement. Not old line Pentecostalism. I, I want to make this perfectly clear. Old line Pentecostalism and the charismatic movement are similar but different in in the sense that the charismatic movement is more in the sense of loose living, loose moral living. Uh, They they want to be associated with the world, whereas the old line Pentecostals, they talked about and they practiced holiness, separation from the world. And uh, during the 50s and the 60s, the, the, the charismatic renewal which is the charismatic uh, movement, which is the third wave of Pentecostal or second wave of Pentecostalism took place. And that's when um, the, the, the speaking in tongues craze and all the charismatic doctrine that you would see in a lot of your charismatic churches spread to a lot of your Protestant denominations like the Episcopalians, the um, Lutherans, and some of even the Catholics, some Catholic priests were beginning to speak in tongues and and preach and teach charismatic doctrine. So wow. that's the the drawing line there. And thank you for clearing that up for us and and adding a little bit more insight there. And we're gonna jump right to episode four, which was the unpardonable sin. And this was a topic that interests me specifically because I heard about this some years ago and it was basically the unforgivable sin. And we've all learned that there is no sin that you cannot be forgiven for. So it was like, wait, what is this? What is this about? But essentially what it is, if I could 
just kind of synthesize it is it's speaking ill of the Holy Spirit. And it's not just saying, you know, just blaspheming the Holy Spirit in any type of way. What it means is denying the work of the Holy Spirit. So basically, it's like, it's unforgivable because there's no way the Holy Spirit can work through you. Because every time the Holy Spirit's trying to work, you deny the power of the Holy Spirit. To me, it's not, from, from what I've learned, it's, it's not to say, like, uh, to to say something mm-hmm. about the Holy Spirit, but it's more so to deny the power of the Holy Ghost to rejuvenate and to uh, regenerate a lost person. Exactly. A person, a person does that by remaining unsafe. Well, not only is it not attributing to the saving power of the Holy Spirit, i.e., you know, the Holy Spirit can regenerate an individual, but it's attributing the power of the Holy Spirit to demons. And, and that's what the Pharisees did when Jesus Christ performed the miracle. And uh, he's, it's, I think it was uh, when he cast out an evil spirit out of, an, uh, out of a man and, the, and the, the Pharisees were watching. And they said that, well, this man does this with the power of Beelzebub, the prince of demons. And Jesus kind of set them straight and said, well, a house divided cannot stand. How can the devil put cast out the devil? So not only is it ridiculous, but it's just dangerous for an individual to do that. And, yeah, you're, you're in danger of blaspheming the, the Holy Spirit when you, when, you attribute, when you attribute his power to the works of Satan. That, that's just crossing the line. Oh, wow. And and let me just ask Darian and GT this point, and they can speak on it very quickly, because when we were talking about it, I was saying that with so many advancements in technology today, that now it almost seems as though if God were to do some magnificent feat, almost everyone would deny it or attribute it to something else. And do you think that God can work miracles in this day and age now because of how everything is, or not that he can't, but would people recognize it as God acting and not attribute it to something else because of all of the advancements in technology? What are your thoughts on that? So that was a really good question. And because God is God, and I know that he can do all things, he could definitely take today's new age era era notice i use the term new age i think that i believe firmly and i hold the belief that god could use any era of time to do miracles a level of people who see it as a technological investment or some kind of science or something along them lines of course it's always going to be those people in unbelief and the world's sin is unbelief according to the bible jesus said that himself mm-hmm. and so for those who do believe, they'll be fine. But there are, there will be, the Bible says that a remnant will be saved. So those will be the ones who do see it as miracles of God. Or there will be those who see it as scientific advancement and try to explain it, explain it away, so on and so forth. Or the other third thing would be that they would attribute it to some other God or some other type of magic or power. Mm. which goes back to uh, 
people uh, blaspheming the Holy Spirit. They will see the things of the Holy Spirit and call it technology or see the things of the Holy Spirit and call it magic or witchcraft. And so that's just my small piece and synopsis on it. Gotcha. GT? Yeah, so I think that's a very good question as well. Um, If you think about it, go back to Exodus and look at the miracles that uh, Moses did. Um, And this was at a time where the technological uh, age at that time was very minimal. But Moses came along and performed a few miracles. And what happened? Some of the magicians were able to do the same thing. Uh, Did it cause some unbelief? Yeah. Did it cause some to uh, doubt? Yes. But fast forwarding to today, uh, as far as the question goes, as far as um, if God was to perform a miracle in these days and times, wouldn't it be believable? Uh, I share the same sentiment with Darian. Um, God, I, I, I believe that God still performs miracles. And although the technological knowledge of today is, is a lot more advanced, um, I still think you'll have that level of doubt amongst the people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes you'll have some of that spiritual deception that that accompanied uh, the priests back in the day because this was this was prophesied. But I also believe that I believe that miracles can be wrought by God, but also by Satan in the sense of uh, false false miracles or, or or illusions, deception in a sense. And if you remember, if you read in Revelation. You read in Revelation uh, chapter, uh, I can't remember the chapter, what it says that the, uh, I think it's chapter 13 where it says that the false prophet caused fire to come down out of heaven. And uh, this is one of the tools that he used to deceive, to deceive the world. And so I believe Satan is a counterfeit. So Satan's going to counterfeit a lot of the miracles that God has already done to deceive the world. So with the technological savvy that we have today, I believe that it will push us into the great deception that uh, uh, I think the Second Timothy uh, states, how a man of sin will come when there's a great falling away first. Second uh, Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians right. 2, I think. Right. So yeah, that's that's my sentiments on it. I, I think the technological savvy that we have today can cause a lot of doubt uh, and confusion amongst believers and unbelievers because sometimes nobody like they don't know uh, who's performing a miracle and who's not. Yeah, like you have and like, what's you what have, mm-hmm. you have the magician who can walk on water. Oh, Jesus walked on water. On water. So I think we have to go right back to the scriptures as a as an instrument of instruction to help teach us to discern between, you know, what the Bible says, test the spirits to see if they are of God or of the devil. Unless we're able to do that, then you know, you're gonna you're gonna be confused and deceived into believing that this uh Mahdi who may come and perform a healing on somebody is truly the Messiah. Or when the Messiah comes, they're going to have you believing that, hey, it's, it's a, this is not the Savior. This is a UFO invasion, and you're going to turn around and fight against 
Jesus Christ and not even and not even know it. So yeah, it's, it's, it's that uh, is interesting. Well, I I, I want to do to add to what you said uh, because it's very it's very important. Uh, you look at Second Thessalonians two and nine. Uh, it, it says, well, I'm going to start at verse eight. It says, then that, uh, that shall that wicked be revealed, the wicked. Notice the word wicked is capitalized, and that's the antichrist. That's the uh, false messiah that's revealed in Revelation chapter six. You look at the the man on the white horse. You know, he came to conquer and to conquer, and and that's the antichrist. So, uh, verse nine. I'm going to go here. Even him whose coming is after the po- of the working or power of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders. So you have individuals now, like magicians, like Chris Angel, and and then there's another Japanese guy that was doing all kinds of strange and weird things, being able to walk on water, being able to create illusions, being able to uh, cause soda to. Uh, escape from the can without turning it over. And I believe that these evil spirits, these familiar spirits, as I explained to, to Candace in uh, Deuteronomy 18 and 10, the occult, the occult, these people are working through occult power. And they're going, the, the people who don't know or don't believe will attribute that to the power of God. Well, God can walk on water. God uh, raised people from the dead. So what's different from him? He's got the Christ consciousness in him. Mm. And and, and so we we have to be very discerning. We have to be very careful as Christians to know the difference between what is real and what isn't. Now, I'm not saying the devil isn't powerful. He is. But God is all-powerful. And we know that, so we we cannot attribute these 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 abilities to uh, to, to 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 an entity that's created and 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 say that this is God because uh, a lot of Christians are being fooled into into doing so. And that is literally the perfect segue to the next topic: um, problems with the modern day church. And we talked about that. Darian, David, and I, we, we had a conversation about it, but GT didn't get a chance to really speak on that. And I know GT said that he's not really that focused on the institutionalized church, but does he have anything to add? So Darian said something earlier that, that stuck out, and he said that his personal relationship with Jesus Christ is not dictated by his pastor or uh, you know, his wife and uh, things of that nature. So it's like, and the church is like, the churches today, it seems like, from, from what I've experienced, it's like everybody has to, now it's one thing to be on one accord when it comes to the word, but a lot of churches now want you to be on one accord when it comes to how they act, how they dress, how they talk, uh, what they believe, uh, uh, even if the belief is unbiblical. Um, so to me, it's like, it, it seems to, it, again, it seems too hyper emotional. Uh, people are more emotional when it comes to 
when it comes to the modern churches or institutionalized churches, you have this pecking order that's established. Um, what I don't like is how you have, you know, a certain parking space for the pastor, a certain parking, I mean, a, a certain seat for the pastor. And I'm always reminded of Matthew 23, where Jesus Christ said, you know, these these men, they look for the highest seats in the synagogues and love to be called master and master. Uh, be not called master, for one is your master, even Christ. And uh, be not called father, for one is your father, even in heaven. So it's like, you know, everything that Jesus Christ uh, argued about or was touching on in Matthew 23 is like the modern churches today are just doing the complete opposite, are doing the exact same thing that Jesus Christ complained about. He said, he, uh, Jesus Christ pointed out that, you know, the leaders, they, they, they don't help, they don't help out in a manner, they, I said, they wouldn't lift up a finger to help. Um, they love to be called by these super apostle names. Um, mm-hmm. they, they, they look more on the church building than they do the, the actual doctrine that's coming out of that building. Um, the prosperity gospel is another issue that I've seen. Um, this whole fight that I hear about paying tithes and things of that nature. Um, there's no real teaching going on in a lot of the churches that I've been to. Um, and uh, like some people will call me like what they call a, a church hopper because, you know, if I'm, I'm sitting in a church and I'm just listening to the pastor and he's talking about uh, prosperity and uh, things that things that are not pertinent to what's going on in the world today or even in the local neighborhood, you know, I'm turned off by it. So I just got, I hop up out of it. So we're going to hop back on to right going down the line. We already spoke about fatherhood, but Darian, do you have any other points to add to that? And David, I was going to see if you had any other points to add to fatherhood as well. Yeah, uh, so just in reference to fatherhood, um, from, just from a Christian standpoint, I look at it as God being the father of all, being humble enough to come into the world and um, just reconnect all of creation back to himself, although it was not his fault that the planet was wrecked. And, and taking the approach of being the lowest servant that he could possibly be, even to the point of death, uh, shows me a level of humility just as a father myself. Um, I need to take that approach with my own children and looking at it from that vantage point as well. So uh, God's humility as a father and reconnecting us back to himself and seeing that in God, how much more should my children see that in me? Just that level of humility and love um, and sacrifice. Amen. Amen. David? Well, uh, in reference to uh, fatherhood and what Darian said, uh, I, I know I'm not a, a father, um, 
and um, I, I don't know if I could contribute to this, but I, I can con- contribute to the conversation based off of what I've seen. And um, with us as a community, as a culture, we need to focus more on family. Uh, and the, the reason why I say this is because to me, you know, and I hate to focus on the negative, but I got to spit out this this statistic: seventy-two percent of all black children are growing up without dads. And to me, that's an issue, a huge issue. It's it's reached epidemic levels, and the problem is nobody is talking about it, either because they want to be popular, or maybe they're they're afraid of backlash from. Uh, the, the the women or in their churches and talking about the pastors, or maybe they're just afraid of being outed as a, you know, you're negative, you're not offering any solutions. Well, here's some solutions. Let's focus on family. Let's focus on marriage. How do we focus? Well, first of all, how do we focus on mar- uh, family? We focus on marriage. Let's stop listening to the music that's telling us that we need to be thugs and gangsters and and all this other stuff where we can focus on being godly loving men first of all mm-hmm. secondly we need to focus the women need to focus on being ladies the bible says in, and i think it's in the book of second first timothy that women ought to be chaste at home and um they they need to be um uh, meek not in the sense of being weak and, you know, don't be quiet, but being meek in demeanor. In other words, we don't need a lot of ladies that are hard like the men. You know, we, we, we have that the men have to stay in their roles. And, and G. Craig Lewis, a pastor, talked about creation roles. And we need to be um, content in our creation role, who, what God made us to be. If God made you be, to be a man, be a man. If God made you to be a woman, be a woman. What are the characteristics of being those two? Well, being a man means being logical, being strong, and being um, non-emotional in, in the sense that we don't think with our emotions. Whereas the women, they need to be sweet, and they need to be um, uh, chaste and modest. The word the Bible uses, or the King James Version anyway, uses the word modest in apparel. Well, I see too many of the young ladies walking around half-dressed, especially now where it's getting warmer. Uh, and I see it all the time, especially in the laundromat and in, in, in the market. You, you see them walking around, and they're raising children, and that disturbs me. Why would you be dressed provocatively and you got your your son is two years old and he sees all this mm. wow and fathers you stop sagging in your pants and then stop 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 just just i'm tired of seeing men's underwear i'm tired of it I'm tired of it <laughs> and, and that is uh an interesting point and it's I feel as though women can be logical too. And Yeah, they can be. And uh, yes, I think they can and they should be and they are, <laughs> many are. And I yes. also feel as though men 
I mean, aren't men supposed to be chaste as well? I mean, if we're, if all things are supposed to be perfect in the sense, aren't men supposed to be chaste as well? Well, well, men are to be chaste in the sense of uh, being pure and holy and righteous. Oh. Uh, and and so that therein lies the issue. You know, neither one of us are that way. So, one, or one is chaste and the other isn't. And so there's an imbalance, and that's why there's we can't have a relationship. First of all, in order to have a relationship, there needs to be a foundation. What kind of foundation are you speaking of? Well, foundation that's based off of the Bible. And too many of us have a foundation based off of the wrong things. I don't need to go into that right now, but you know what I'm talking about. Well, you know what? You know what? That's actually a good segue because Darian and I did a an episode on courting. So I'm going to go to that first before we get into the other episodes. But um, we did an episode on courting and we didn't get, have an opportunity to speak to you or GT about it. So I'm going to ask you now, what are your thoughts on courting? And then I'll ask Darian if he has anything else to add. Well, courtship is very important. Uh, the Bible says that we ought to marry in the Lord. That's I think that's First Corinthians 7, I believe. And uh first or second Corinthians seven, I'm not sure. But we ought to be we ought to marry in the Lord. And um and I see this uh, a lot and there's something that G. Craig Lewis said in his sermon about I think it was on contentment or something like that, where he says that uh if you're if you're a Christian man and if you're looking for a wife, you ought not to pray. Just go and find her. Well that's that's inappropriate that's irresponsible advice why would i just go out and find her when i can just ask god to show me where she's at or ask god to show me what type of woman to look for before i go out and look for her to be my wife Mm. so uh as far as courtship is concerned again we we ought to uh you know missionary dating is unbiblical We, we we get all that um, we we ought to two people ought to court. And what is courtship? Well, courtship is uh, dating with the intent to marry, and I, that means that I'm not going to date you for ten years. Mm. I'm not going to date you for ten years. Uh, with me personally, a year and a half to two years is about the max for me. Got gotcha. three. Three years is pushing it. I'll let it go. If, if, if she's still not ready by the third year, then I'll let it go for about six months into that third year before I say, okay, well, we, we need to start making some decisions. But two years tops is the max for me. But uh, too many of us are dating four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve years, and then we end up shacking up, we end up sinning, and that's a problem. David said a mouthful. I could just say that I'm in complete agreement. I also feel as though when it comes when it comes to uh marriage, as David said, looking at uh, what a biblical wife would be. If you get the fun, fundamental the fundamentals as the minimal, you can't lose. Now, there's another thing that uh, I I've noticed 
um, as far as many people have this whole rap sheet of the type of female that they want or the type of male they're looking for. He has to be a certain size, I mean, a certain size, certain color eyes, certain uh, skin complexion, specific amount of money in his bank account, you know, certain hairstyle, certain gear, certain car, certain type of uh, sheets on this game. Like, come on. I mean, we, we, be for real. Like, all of the stuff that you have on your list is materialistic. And you wonder why you get in these relationships with these guys that can't uh, provide emotional support and relational support as well as um, be the priest of their home because you were worried more about him having a Mercedes and having a forehead of head by six. Not that I'm bald or anything, because I'm not. I'm just simply saying that a lot of women, oh, he has to have this much hair. Like, really? Yeah. Really, he has to have this. Gotta have a polo shirt. Uh, he's gotta be. Yeah. And it's mad. hilarious. It's, it's hilarious. And, and I'm with, to a varying degree, you don't want the squid. I get it. I don't, you don't want a guy with no swagger. I get mm-hmm. it. <laughs> if you don't have any swagger and you just extra dry, there, there's a, there's somebody for you, but that, it's hard to say. It, I mean, I can see if you say as long as he's a parent man and he has a little bit of swagger, I feel like that's reasonable. Or he's a parent man with a little bit of swagger and he has a job. That's fair. That's fair. Now, when you start getting the extracurricular details, like the, the high, look, he has to have uh, uh, great nails, great skin, you Watch know. Washboard abs. Washboard. <laughs> I mean... Oh my that's gosh. 50, that's 50-50. Shout-outs to the guys with Washburn Eds. You know, shout-outs to, shout to us. But um, in a serious <laughs> note, you know, you've seen how I plug myself. In I, I, said, I uh, saw that. We we don't know that, if this that. is true, everyone, but whatever. Yeah, this, this is that YMCA, <laughs> that's that YMCA membership and that calisthenics every oh, morning. Wow. Anyway. Moving right along, moving right along. I love you, I, I love you, babe. I'm sorry. Shout out to my wife, too. I love you, babe. All right. Well, no dinner for the next six to eight months. <laughs> that is no, funny. No, I just think it's funny. I just think it's funny how sometimes people put unrealistic expectations on what it is that God has for them. And a lot of the times, because they're so uh, rigid, and the qualifications that they look for and they meet, they, they never actually find the person that they miss out. Meet. They miss out. That's true. Exactly. And, I, and this last point before we move on to the next se- segment, you touched on so many things that I've been like really complaining about for the next, I guess, for 10 years. The materialism, our, you know, and, and this is everywhere. I'm sorry, folks. This is everywhere. You know, you, you've got people who are so materialistic and it interferes and they speck and you wonder why you get into these crazy relationships where he's saying all kinds of things. He has no emotional connection to you at all. Why? Because you are so focused on your initial attraction to this person. 
and 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 a person can be initially attracted to you. Don't don't get me wrong. You know there is an initial attraction involved in every relationship, but if that's your foundation, then you've got an issue. You've got a problem. Uh-huh. You've got a and, problem. So, and in in fairness, you know these these things do matter. Being attracted to a person does matter. A person, and, right. and we talked about this in our courtship discussion, Darian and I, having a certain standards that you have for yourself that a person needs to be able to meet. And like, it's the minimum, like being able to take care of yourself, being able to provide, being able mm-hmm. to do these types of things. And it's important. But the the thing is, I was saying, if the person has the same values as you, the same values in the the non-negotiables are there like in terms of the values the fam being family oriented being hard working being compassionate loving kind loyal character oriented all of these things god fearing all of these things they're there you can kind of build upon the other things and figure that out and hopefully you'll be able to figure the rest out but as long as the main things are there, it should be okay. So this is what I'll say as far as courting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like courting, you know, I was I always heard the word, uh, you got to cultivate. You know what I'm saying? Cultivation was one of the things that I was always told. And to me, that means, you know what I'm saying? You have to keep, you have to keep things fresh. You have to keep things new. Uh, let's just say pursuing somebody as a Christian, you know, the first most, the most important thing I think is to find somebody who is, uh, who's a believer. But sometimes I don't always work because nowadays believers have so many different, uh, so many different perspectives when it comes to the faith. Mm-hmm. And so it's like you can get with a, a believer, but you know, the best thing is to make sure that y'all are on the same accord when it comes to the word, because I think that is one of the most difficult things to deal with is when you're with somebody and who's a fellow believer, but they have so many different perspectives when it comes to uh, the word or how they deal with other people and how they deal with you. Keep keep just keep the uh, the biblical principle at the forefront, you know, to keep yourself out of trouble. That's good. Um, because we see, you know, like within the body of Christ, and it's it's horrible, but it happens. You know, you got so many single mothers that's in the body of Christ. Yeah. Uh, you got so many, uh, what you call it, uh, children born out of wedlock, uh. And things of that nature. So, you know, these things make, make us look just like the world. And this is another reason why a lot of people of the world are turned away from the churches. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and I'll just keep, I'll keep it at that. Yeah. I'll just say, you know what I'm saying? Just, just if, like Paul said, you know, Paul, he said, you know, hey, if you desire to, if you desire to be married, it's cool. But, it's better to not be married because it helps you focus on the Lord more. But if you're a person who 
doesn't have any self-control of one that, you know, is better than married and burn. Uh, mm. But just make, just make sure that, you know, the person you marry in, because, you know, you have a very uh, healthy appetite, if you know what I mean, uh, that is <laughs> the right person. Thank you for spilling that. Thank you for spilling all that out for us. Uh, Thank you for that insight. We appreciate it. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Spell that out. Yeah, you have a very healthy appetite. Oh my gosh. Okay. So, or at least he cleaned it up for us. We're going to transition very quickly and we're going to talk about the Word of Faith movement. We, uh, David and I had a conversation about this already. And it kind of falls in line with the charismatic movement and and things of that nature, what we were talking about before. But do you all have anything to add to it? Darian, GT, anything to add to this? Well, the Word of Faith movement is, it, at its core, is literally just a misappropriation of doctrine. And the only thing I will say about it is, we must stress as believers sound doctrine. When in doubt, read the scripture about these topics. And that's all I'll say because if, if we have a, a, a sound hold and foundation of, on the scriptures and what we believe and why we believe it, these, uh, these uh, incorrect teachings would be exposed and eradicated easily. But too often, people just uh, allow other people to regurgitate what they think something says. Mm. And so I stress, I stress reading the scriptures for yourself and getting a handle on the fundamentals. Because if you don't, you will be led astray. Gotcha. GT? Yeah. Uh, first, Darian, I'm not going to let you get away with that. You try to make it wrong. When in doubt, uh, what, what was that he said? When in doubt, when, when in doubt, doubt he said, read, read about. about. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I didn't even catch that until you said something. Wow. I, you know, I ain't going to let him get away with that. Listen. We can be a little bit corny, and it's all right, you know. So it's cool. Yeah, yeah, but I I, I agree a hundred percent. Like, like the word of faith again. Yeah, like I said, I, I'm not too savvy on these institutionalized churches and their dement, uh, denominations and things of that nature. Um, but when I experience it and when I encounter it, like uh, somebody used Proverbs when it said something about you know. Um, what was it? The word, uh, the words of a man's mouth is, uh, I hate that I don't have, have the scriptures in front of me, but it was a verse out of Proverbs and it has something to do with, uh, when a man says something out of his mouth, so is he, and so on. There, if, if a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. So I had to, I, I had to let the brother know, you know what I'm saying, if you read the context of that whole proverb, it was talking about how your mouth can get you in and out of trouble, and it had nothing to do with 
causing something to appear uh, out of nowhere because you spoke it into existence. Right. For me, for me it, 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 again, these red flags pop up, and these red flags uh, all have to do with Gnosticism, New mm-hmm. Age philosophies, and things of that nature. So uh, I've heard some New Age philosophies that use the same terminology as, you know, speaking into existence. And it's like, uh, what they say is you speak it into the universe, and the universe, it goes into this bubble into the universe until it pops. And when it pops, it manifests itself in, in, uh, in, into this reality. The problem with that is when we, when Christians use it in, under the banner of word of faith, it is take is it doesn't even it, it doesn't fit what the Bible says according to uh, what the scripture meant, and that was back in Proverbs. You know, your mouth can get you in in and out of trouble, but you know. From what I've seen, these type of denominations, like the Word of Faith, they tend to they tend to uh, extort, or they they tend to extort people who don't have much, and it gives them this this hope that yeah, I, I'm just gonna name it and claim it. I'm just gonna name it and claim it. <laughs> and you know, you got some people who just naming it, who've been naming it and claiming it for almost 20 years and ain't nothing happened. And, you know, sometimes it causes a little bit of laziness where you just feel like you can just, like, for instance, uh, losing weight. Oh, I'm going to lose this weight. I'm naming it and I'm claiming it. But you don't do anything (laughs) to cause yourself to lose weight. You see what I'm saying? So um, this whole word of faith thing from what I've experienced uh has like a, a gnostic and new age connotation to it and uh i just feel like what darian said hey if you in doubt you know pull your bible out and read it and see what it says about these things because uh you go you go to one of these churches that's word of faith and are they telling you to name it and claim it name it and claim it um to me is out of context because it's more so of having faith. Like you go to God, like it's impossible to please God without faith. Uh-huh. There's a whole chapter, I believe it's chapter seven in Hebrews that talks about the faith of Noah, the faith of Abraham, the faith Hebrews of Hebrews chapter 11. 11, okay, appreciate that. And, mm-hmm. uh, but again, it goes back to, that. it goes back to faith. But also, this is how this is how you use uh, discernment. Now, Paul, I think it was Paul who said, you know, you don't have you don't have anything because you don't ask. And then when you no, that's James. He said you don't have anything because you don't ask. And then the things that you ask for, you ask amiss. So you can be asking for something that God never intended for you to have. Is that, and that's called that's called covetedness. You covet certain things, but God is not God didn't uh, God didn't intend for you to have those things. But you want to speak it into existence, and then you wonder why twenty years has gone by, and you're still in a 
uh, a situation that you've been trying to get out of or you've been trying to speak your way out of for almost 20 years mm. instead of actually going out and doing something about it. That's deep. That's very deep. And, and you know, this goes right into the topic that I think that we've all been waiting for that we want to talk about. And it's called spiritual warfare. And David and I talked about this for two shows. And we started out by talking about the biblical part of it. But then in the second episode, we were talking about the real world instances of it, the occult, um, dark arts, those type of things. And so I know that you all have a lot to talk about on this topic. and. We all do. So we might as well just round robin it <laughs> and just get it all out. And I think I'm going to start with Darian on this. And then I'm going to go to GT, then David, and then I'll say something. So to start off, uh, spiritual warfare, in my own words, I think that it is, <clears throat> and, and I mean as far as defining it. Spiritual warfare, to me, is the culmination or breakdown. I don't have the beginning word, but we're going to keep this. We're going to define this before the end of this podcast is over. In so many words, spiritual warfare is, or the study of spiritual warfare is literally looking into the, the entities unseen or seen and unseen in our lives. And so I say that because the Bible speaks of things that seemingly are not of this world or within our typical dimensional ability. What do we see in like, we see things in what, 3D and then 4D if you want to add like our senses and things. Mm. I'm not like a, like an engineer or anything or a quantum physicist, but there are things within the world or within this universe that operate and have live and have their being that we may not be able to see. And so there apparently, according to scripture, are ones that are for God and his creation and those that are against God and his creation. And so those forces and or entities, because I can't really give them specific names other than the ones that are specifically mentioned, angels, fallen angels, and demons, Mm. oh, and spirits. And so there are so many different things that we could say, and there are things with, and I must say with this caveat, that there are people who sensationalize or romanticize the very topic that we speak on. So I would be uh, remiss if I did not say that we need to be careful what things that we address in terms of spiritual warfare, because there are things that, A, are mentioned in the Bible and all of Scripture. There are things that are alluded to in Scripture, and there are things that people have created based on their personal interpretations 
of the scripture. So I think it is wise to uh, um, address that first. So be careful because nowadays everybody, oh, that's the that's the demon for bad breath, or that's that's the demon for uh, gingivitis. Wow. You got you got spirits for everything now. Oh wow! So you got to you got to be careful with what we actually say is a demon. Oh, oh, that's the demon of oh, she got this spirit. I can she got a hangnail spirit. You know. Uh huh. You you sure you, you sure that's what that is? start uh, allowing people to teach us or appropriate as propaganda in order for us to, you know, get into a movement or something like that. And I'll leave it at that. And so I know there's a lot more that I could have said, but nowadays you have to be careful even with the very things that are supposed to to make us uh, understand be be understanding for us like we we don't really have a, a a full grasp of the details we have a uh a snippet if 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 you will on what virtual welfare is and how we are to operate and and that's in ephesians with the the full armor of god but i'll i'll just let 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 sleeping dogs lie okay gt Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. What are your thoughts on this topic? Woo, boy. Spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare. I, my thoughts on this is like, seriously, I, I honestly believe that the majority of not just churches, but Christians as a whole today are, are not prepared to deal with this subject to deal with this this real life subject that boggles us every day um like yesterday and even i'm convicted of this you know uh darian brought up about well he brought up a scripture uh just using it in reference but you know there was a a child that was possessed or i don't want to use the wrong terminology but i'm gonna just say possessed there's a child possessed by a demon, an unclean spirit, a devil, and it threw the little boy into the fire. And the apostles, they came, and the, the disciples, they came to try and cast out this spirit, but it wouldn't work. And so Jesus told them that this kind has to come out by fasting and prayer. And looking at, at the graduation yesterday, I seen a little boy on stage, and he was he was almost like that little boy that, uh, that Jesus Christ uh, that Jesus Christ Jesus Christ cast the demon out of. And I'm sitting here thinking we are in this big church because that's where they had the graduation at. It was we was inside this big church, and I was like, "Is there not one man here that could go up there and free that little boy?" And I. And, at that moment, even I felt convicted because I knew that if I was in the place that I, I'm supposed to be with my fasting life, my prayer life, you know what I'm saying, that I can I could just walk up there and look at that little boy and grab his hand and tell him to get up and walk, you know what I'm saying, and he would have got up and walked because that spirit in him that's, that's keeping him uh, uh, 
a handicap like that would have known that the spirit inside of me was for real. Unlike you know when some when some of some of the so-called apostles were weren't apostles at all, they went around casting demons out of people in the name of Jesus Christ, and sometimes it worked. And one time, some of them got beat up. And that's the part that I'm talking about. You cannot play around with this subject. This uh. this you cannot. It's nothing to play around with. You know what I'm saying? Like dealing with demonic spirits. And the way I look at it, demon, demonic spirits, evil spirits, these, these things are real. And they do real stuff. And they can make stuff manifest. You know, we see that with people who are involved in the occult and uh, and they, they talk to these familiar spirits. Familiar spirits didn't disappear with the Old Testament. You see what I'm saying? So when it comes to spiritual warfare, the first thing that we have to do as Christians is get ourselves prepped to deal with the subject at hand. Because if we go into it fully equipped, we can possibly get beat up, not just spiritually, but physically, just like some of those false apostles did. And I, I reference too to Ephesians about putting the whole armor of God on. Um, Six. Yeah, so I'll, and I'll leave it there. With that. And wow, deep. David, and I know, I know you have a whole bunch of insight on this because when we talked about it on the show, you got into the discussion of the occult. And that basically takes it into the real world with, you know, kind of piggybacking on what GT said what's happening and how these how we become susceptible to these things so do you have anything to add and to speak on this well yeah uh actually i do um scripture is replete with scriptural evidence about well evidence concerning the uh the occult and how god feels about it you look at deuteronomy chapter 8 18 in verse 10 and uh, he really goes to the gambit. But what I want to do is look at Acts chapter 19 before I go there. And I'm going to turn, I'm going to, um, let's see, go to uh, verse 17. And this was known to all the Jews and the Greeks also dwelling in Ephesus. To fe- and fear fell on all, them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And they were all going out pra- uh, preaching the word and people were being saved. And you look at verse seven, uh, verse 18, and many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. 19, many of them also, which were, which used curious arts, the occult, um, <clears throat> and uh, I meant, as, when Candace and I did the, the second show of spiritual warfare, I, I threw out some, some terminology, and, and I got this from, Deuteronomy chapter 18, and I'm going to look. Let's go back there to Deuteronomy chapter 18, and we're going to start at verse 10. There shall not be found among you any one that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire or child sacrifice. You look at, I think it's in First Kings, the valley of the son of Hinnom, and it's also called Tophet, and that's where cremation took place. And the ritual murder of countless innocent children. 
you look at the false god Moloch or uh, Baal, these were the spirits or these were the demons or the false gods that these uh, Babylonians would sacrifice their children to. And while they were placing their children on to the, because the, the, their, the, the hands of the statues were red hot because of the flames, and they would place their babies on the, 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 the altars, and as the baby would scream, uh, they, they would, you would hear the pounding of the drum. They, they would beat the drum to drown out the screams, and, and as a result, it would be all kinds of stuff going on there. Due to the ritualistic, uh, murder of innocent children, but uh, you look that, and that's what that is: child sacrifice. Uh, go on here, um, or that use of divination. Divination basically is looking into the mirror and say Bloody Mary three or four times, or looking into crystal balls. Uh, and, and then you look at an, an or an observer of times. That's astrology, looking to the stars for answers to everyday life. Or enchanter or witch. An enchanter basically is, you know, self-explanatory. You look at hypnosis. People that go to psychologists and they become hypnotized, and after they're hypnotized, they become suggestible. That's enchanting. That's enchantment. And uh, or a witch. A witch basically is self-explanatory. It's a female practitioner of the arts. Um, that. It, it, the, wit, the word witch comes from the old English term, which we, we get the, the religion Wicca, which means teacher or or uh, it, well, it just means that. And you look at wizard and, and let's get the, uh, the term again. We, we're going to get the terminology correct because I hear a lot of Christians use the term warlock. There is no such thing as a warlock. It's either a witch or a wizard. Wizard is a male witch. And or male practitioner of the arts, and the word wizard, which we get the word for the religion Wicca, it means teacher or wise one, and which is pretty much self-explanatory. Uh, or charmer or consulter with familiar spirits. I'm pretty sure you've heard of the the, the television show Medium, played by Patricia Arquette, uh, Ghost Whisperer with uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt. She played the, the part of an individual that consults with familiar spirits, people that have already died, victims of violent crimes that have already died, and they've come back, and they only speak to her because they're trying to solve the, who, uh, the crime of whoever killed them so they can rest in peace. Those are examples of familiar spirits. Those are actually demons disguising themselves as the people that have died. Mm. Um, In so, uh, or, or a necromancer, a necromancer is basically, or necromancer actually, it's first basically a person that consults with the dead. Go on. I'm sorry. No, no. And you said everything. And the only thing I wanted to add to that point was just an example from pop culture. So there's, right. a, there's this very popular show that's out now. It's on Netflix. It's called 13 Reasons Why. And it, it's about a young lady who in high school decides to make a series of videotapes, 13, 
to explain the reasons why she decided to commit suicide. So she ultimately kills herself and she explains 13 reasons why she did it. And it was related to the people in her life who she wanted to help her who never did. So in the second season, she is, she's dead. She's gone. Her mom is now trying to sue the school for apparently knowing that she was being bullied and harassed and didn't do anything about it. Now, this is where the occult stuff starts to creep in, right? So it seems like a pretty, if if someone's just looking at the show, they're just like, okay, it's talking about suicide and the issues of bullying and, and sexual assault and these things. And it's all good that we talk about this, right? So it's a good show that talks about these things. But watch this. So in, I think it's episode two or three, the young boy who's trying to find out what happened to the girl and figure out what possibly is going on to other people in the school ends up, he begins to start seeing visions of the dead girl. Um, and he starts to talk to her. He ends up talking to her a lot throughout the show. In fact, she becomes a person that he regularly consults with as he continues to explore what's going on in the school. So I remember him asking her one of the first time he sees her, he's like, are you real? And she's like, what do you, what do you mean? He's like, like, can I touch you? I don't know. That seems like a weird question to ask. And he's like, well, what are you? And she's like, I don't know. And she is a dead person that he is talking to. And she herself says, I don't know. And he's like, well, where are you? I'm having crossed over. Where, what's going on? And it's just this weird kind of conversation that's happening. And they make it seem so normal. You are talking to a dead girl who killed herself. She is now presenting herself to you. And she doesn't even know who she is, supposedly. And this is okay. So this has now seeped its way into our culture. But continue. Well, yeah, uh, it's seeped into our culture simply because of three men that I'm going to name off the top of my head. One is... Uh, a, a woman, a, a man by the name of Alistair Crowley. Uh, but I'm, there are two people that came before him, and that's a man by the name of Gerald Gardner, who was a pupil of Alistair Crowley. And if, uh, then there's Annie Passant, and then there's Alice Bailey. Alice Bailey was the founder of Lucis Trust, a bank. It's called, well, Lucifer Trust is now known as Lucis Trust. And all of these things were brought to America. All of these guys, uh, Alina Blavatsky was the founder of uh, the Theosophical Society. She brought all of that stuff here, and then Crowley made it popular. Crowley was the founder of, or uh, historians believe he was the founder of what we know as modern Satanism. Uh, he was billed as the most evil man in history or the the wickedest man that ever lived by um, the press in, in Italy when he was kicked out for performing uh, human child sacrifice there. Uh, he was so evil that he not only performed human sacrifice, but he believed in child sacrifice. 
And so all of this was interwoven into the culture. How? Well, during the 60s, Crowley, and Crowley only died in 1947, 20 years before the 1960s even came about. So how did Crowley in, influence all of these people years later? Well, you know, the 1960s was the countercultural movement, and Crowley was uh, deemed to be the father of that. Um, the Beatles were um, staunch followers of Crowley. As a matter of fact, when you look at his their their um, album, um, the Lonely Hearts Grove Band, or I think it was called that, it was an album that um, was made by John Lennon, and uh, John Lennon and Paul McCartney and all of these guys from the Beatles said or admitted that these people that were showcased on the album were a part of what they all looked up to them. They, they were members of what is called the magic crowd. So you have a, a litany, a, a litany of, of individuals, uh, Julian Huxley. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, his name, I think his name is Julian Huxley or Aldous Huxley. Something Aldous like Huxley. I think it was his, yeah. yeah it was he his, wrote a yeah, brave new brother. world, right? Yeah. Brave yeah. new world. And I think in 1950 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, Aldous Huxley, who was an occultist, uh, you have William Burroughs, who murdered his wife in a satanic drunken rage. You have um, Carl Jung, the founder of what is called Jungian psychology, which is a part of behavioral psychology. He was an occultist. Uh, you have uh, all of the uh, masters of the East, the, the, Ma- the Maharishi Meshi Yogi. Uh, you, you have... Um, uh, Jane Mansfield, who was a priestess in the Church of Satan, she, she was an actor, or an, I'm sorry, she was an actress during the 60s, and she was really popular, and I, and I think she came along before Marilyn Monroe or after, I'm not really sure. I think she came after Marilyn Monroe, but she was murdered. Uh, <clears throat> well, she was killed in a, hor- a horrific a- accident. She was beheaded. Uh, and then at the far left... You had, well, far, yeah, the far left, you have uh, Aleister Crowley. And presumably we have a guy by the name of uh, Adolf Hitler. He, he was also on the album, but John Lennon had him removed because it was just too controversial. And the people during those days weren't necessarily ready for that, so he had him removed. But these people were... Uh, members of what they call the magic crowd. They all looked up to these people. And the song was, it was 20 years ago today that Sergeant Pepper taught the band to play. Well, who's Sergeant Pepper? Crowley. Mm. Crowley died 20 years uh, that day, the day that the album was created. It was 1967. Crowley died 1947, 20 years ago today. Mm. So that's, again, that's what we call witch language or esoteric language. In music, you have things that just don't make sense when you, when, when you listen to the song, when you listen to the lyrics, like Rihanna's song, um, Diamonds in the Sky. It didn't make sense until you really, really, if you had discernment and you really listen to what she's trying to say. Well, she's talking about Lucifer. Who was Lucifer before he fell? Well, he was the anointed cherub that covereth. Hmm. Oh, whoa. You guys, 
this has been, I mean, the the conversation has been edifying. And I just want to take the time to thank each of you for participating in this project. You know, just giving your time, your knowledge, the information, the care and attention to this. It, it has made this very possible. And I hope that people can learn from it. Uh, the final point that I want to make to anyone who's listening is that this is the time to really pay attention. If you're looking, and in, 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 when we talk about spiritual warfare, if you're looking at pop culture, music, everything that's going on, you'll start to see a theme. You'll see a theme of what's happening and it'll all start to make sense. It'll, you'll piece it together. If you're watching these shows, you'll see that they talk about the consciousness a lot and they talk about consciousness moving from body to body, maybe putting it here, your body not meaning as much. There's one show that literally refers to the human body as a sleeve and you can change sleeves and it doesn't matter. But we know that our body is our temple. It does matter. And who we are, we were created and designed in the image of God. So for them to make it seem as though our bodies and who we are doesn't matter. We can just be made and duplicated and all of these type of things. It takes away the fact that God designed us for a specific reason and a purpose. And if you start to pay attention, these are the themes that you'll start to see in everything. Even from the food that we eat, the care doesn't need to be given to it anymore. We can add all of this fat and sugar and whatever. We can uh, genetically modify it and give it to you to eat. You don't have to take care of your body. You don't have to do these things. And you'll start to see this theme. And if you're paying attention, it'll all start to make sense. Now, what can you do? To me, I feel like there's a certain point in which you're going to have to take a stand in anything in life. You're going to have to ask yourself, do you want this to continue to go on? There's a point at which you're going to have to say no. If you're starting to pay attention and you realize that things are not going the way that God intended, you're going to have to take a stand. Sometimes it might mean ending a friendship. Sometimes it might mean ending a career. But it's for a worthy cause. And it's because the Most High is telling us that this is where you have to draw the line. So pay attention. Pay attention to everything that's going on in the news, what you watch, and protect your mind, your ears, your heart, and everything. So do you all have anything to add to that? Stay tuned for season two. Season <laughs> two. Just Stay tuned. I'm going to be in red form. GT going to be in red form. David going to be in there with the data. We're going to have... <laughs> We're gonna have a uh, uh, special guest. Yes. How at us. Yes. So stay tuned for season two. Well, I want to. I, I don't mean to cut you off, but I. It, it was that last dialogue that you was having. That last uh, part that you was talking about. Altered carbon. I believe that's the. Yes. Altered carbon. About. Yep. Yeah. See. Then I'm just say this. And I'm gonna. I'm gonna leave it alone. This is this is the reason why we have these discussions to put this information out there. And the main reason is because this stuff is starting to creep into our culture 
and what they are doing in the inter in, in the entertainment industry is softening people up to accept this way of life. And I believe it's to set people up for the great deception. You see, because when the market and this is another topic that will end up on the rabbit hole show, uh, and it deals with uh, it deals with the market of beasts and how the market of beasts could technically be some some type of DNA manipulated uh, gene that would be inserted into people either via uh, via through uh, some type of microchip mm-hmm. or some type of vaccination. But the thing is, it's like they're going to, uh, and this is just my theory, but looking at from a uh, prophetic uh, perspective, it's like this is how they're going to introduce it. Like it's something that will help you have a better sight, something that will help you uh, mm. avoid any hereditary diseases that might be in your in your family. But then when you take it, it changes your DNA so much that you won't be able to be redeemed by Christ. Hence, the mark of the beast. Any man, woman who has the mark of the beast is ultimately, will be ultimately destined to go directly to hell and later on to the lake of fire. So mm. what you were talking about, about altered carbon and looking at all these new age philosophies and how they're trying to promote uh, a new way of living, a new way of thinking. And uh, you can take your consciousness and insert it somewhere else or into someone else or, or into another body. Mm-hmm. I believe that all it's doing is all it, all this will do is cause a change in your DNA that will open you up to be inhabited by these unclean spirits, which goes right back to spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare. Exactly. And that's deep. And I'm just going to end on this last point because, and I want everyone to pay attention to the YouTube channel because I've compiled a playlist that are just easy for you to watch that kind of points to all of these things so that you can see it. And there's one particular playlist that I have called pay attention. And it talks about a lot of these, these topics, but if you're paying attention and I talk about this all the time, 1% of the world now controls 82% of the world's wealth. Water is scarce in Flint, Michigan. We still do not have clean water. Water in South Africa is drying up. In terms of pollution, on the rise, food, GMO, uh, assisted suicide is something that is now approved among many states and in different countries. This is now okay to do. Uh, recently, they were talking about how assisted suicide being opened up for people who are severely depressed. Pay attention to that. We can pay attention. Yeah, we can pay attention to all of these things that are now slowly. What basically my point is, if you're paying close attention, what used to be wrong has now slowly creeped into a gray area where hmm, maybe it's not that wrong. And then before long, it'll be like, hmm, it's okay. And then before long, people, the majority of people, will be saying it is right. 
And you have to pay attention to that. And think about it. I'm not even going to tell you what all those things are. I'm just going to let you sit back and think for yourself. What once was obviously wrong or didn't make any sense now seems okay. Now is debatable. And now people say is 100% right. I'll let you think about it. And we'll talk about more of that in the next season. But once again, thank you all for your participation. Thank you for your support. And we look forward to giving you more information. So goodbye.